Welcome back. We're in Genesis chapter 50, verse 6. Genesis 56. Let's go. This is talking about Jacob passing away, and Joseph is going to go back to Israel and to bury his father, who is named Israel. The country is actually named after his father. He was formerly named Jacob, now Israel. He has passed away. And Jacob, Joseph has just asked permission of Pharaoh, the number one in the land. Joseph was the number two guy in the land, and he goes and asks Pharaoh for permission. And in verse 6, it says, And Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father as he made you swear. So Pharaoh is being respectful to his father. He's like, Sure. He's like, You're number, my number two guy. I don't want to lose you. I don't want you to you know, hate me. I want you to, to do this, essentially. He's like, Yeah, go for it. But check this out in 7. So Joseph went up to bury his father. And with him went all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land is Egypt, as well as of the house of Joseph, his brothers, and his father's house. Only their little ones, their flocks, and their herds they left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen. It was a great, very great gathering. So Pharaoh sends all these people with him. He wants to make sure that they're safe. He wants to also make sure that they're going to come back because maybe Pharaoh's thinking, hey, if just you and your family go, you're going to disappear and you're going to be gone, right? And I don't have the internet to track you down and send bounty hunters after you or anything like that, but he knows how valuable Joseph is and he wants him back. And Joseph knows he's coming back uh, because Joseph was told that he's going to be, uh, there's going to be four generations of people in Egypt, so he knows it's not his time to go back and live in Canaan uh, i.e. Israel for good, but he's going there temporarily. But Pharaoh is just making sure. And so this is a huge caravan, right? Everybody would have noticed. Because, um, I mean, this is just a massive amount of people traveling at one time. Verse 10, Then they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, and they mourned there with a great and very solemn lamentation. He observed seven days of mourning for his father. Seven is a Biblical number for perfection or completion. Verse 11, And when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Atad, they said, This is a deep mourning of the Egyptians. Therefore its name was called Abel Mizraim, which is beyond the Jordan. So the remember the Can- you've got the Canaanites and the land of Canaan. The land of Canaan is what was promised from God. And that's, let's just call that kind of the, the biblical land. And then you've got the Canaanites, which are generally not good people, meaning that they're not following God, right? There is no one good. We're all sinners saved by grace. There, there's no one without sin. And we know this, even God, even Jesus said this. He said, there's, why do you call me good? There's no one good but God. So Jesus was saying at, at another point, if you're calling someone good, then you're calling them God, because the only person who is good is God. And this is something that we get wrong in our culture. People are like, I'm a good person, so I'm going to go to heaven. That, that's why. I'm qualified because I'm a quote-unquote good person. Well, how do you define good? Well, you know, I don't murder or steal or anything like that. And then you just start walking them through the truth of the Ten Commandments. It's like, well, here's ten simple rules that God gave to mankind and specifically to Israel and say, Hey, just look in the mirror and see if you're how you're doing with these ten. Forget you know hundreds of different rules. How are you doing with these? Right, adultery. They're like, great. I haven't slept around with my wife. Really, have you looked lustfully at someone else? Because that's adultery. And they're like, oh man, you got me there. Have, uh, but I don't steal. And they're like, have you ever taken something from work? A sticky note pad, a, a sticky note, a, a pen, a paperclip, anything like that? Yeah, you know, I've done that. 
All right, so you're a thief. Um, how about a liar? Have you never lied? Have, have you ever lied? They're like, no. And you're like, really? You've never lied? Not once in your life? Not as a kid? Not as a teenager? Not to protect yourself at work or in your family or in your neighborhood or anything? They're like, okay, so I've lied. Okay, so you're a thief and a liar and adulterer. And how about a murderer? No, I'm not a murderer. Well, have you ever hated someone? Have been mad and angry with someone? Well, yes, of course I've been mad. I've been mad at my spouse. I've been mad at my boss. I've been mad at my friend. I've been mad at my parents, whatever. It's like, well, that's murder. Because if you're angry with your brother, that's the same as murder. So you're lying, thieving, adulterous murder, right? Should we go on? There's, there's more commandments that we could walk through. So there is no one good but God. We are all sinners in desperate need of a Savior. And verse 12, so his sons did for him just as he had commanded them. For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron, the Hittite, his property for a burial place. And after he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt, he and his brothers, and all who went up with him to bury his father. So they buried Jacob with his father and with his grandfather, rather than with his own wife, well, one of his wives, Rachel, right? He ended up marrying two, Rachel and Leah. He was tricked into marrying Leah, but Rachel was his true love. But he's not buried with her. He's buried with his ancestors rather than one of his spouses, or with, with Rachel in particular, um, because that was his you know true love. And <clears throat> so that's just kind of interesting to note. But that's where he uh, needed to be buried, and that's where they buried him. They honored him with that. And verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. I want you to really think about this. So brother, Joseph's brothers, right? Remember this. Joseph's brothers were so jealous of them, of Joseph, that they wanted to kill him, literally kill him. And then they decided, no, why would we kill him when we can actually make money and sell him to slave traders? So they decided to sell him. And they had to live with this, and they had to live with that conscience and the guilt of that decision, knowing that it was wrong, right? Why? Because God puts a code of ethics, a code of morals inside of us, right? He is the lawmaker, and he created us, and we know right from wrong because the lawmaker gave us morality to understand right from wrong. And that's why so many cultures around the world would understand this concept of morality. They may kind of meld into their own rules and laws, but every culture knows that it's just wrong to to kill someone, for example. Um, So they're just feeling this, and they're just like, man, now dad was alive, and Dad protected us, and we, even after we met Joseph, and jo- I'm sure Joseph is going to take us back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh that we need to be tortured or killed or made slaves or something like that. So he's going to repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they recognized that they did evil to him, right? They didn't do this nonchalantly. Like, they even use the words here, repay us for the evil which we did to him. They know that they did him wrong. Now, is there something in your past that you know that you have done wrong against someone. Just think about it. Something may come to mind immediately. Or maybe something comes to you later. But if that's the case, what are you going to do with that? You don't want to live with that. See, if that person is still there, you can go and apologize to them. And you can certainly ask God to help you 
to help forgive you for that and just leave that in the past, right? But if that person is there, someone you've really hurt, go and apologize. Go and sincerely apologize and ask for their forgiveness. And if they forgive you, wonderful. You'll have the most amazing healing you could possibly imagine. And if they don't forgive you, then you can know that you you still ask for forgiveness. You don't need to live in that past event. And you can ask God for that forgiveness and to move you and to change their heart and ha- help them work on forgiving you. But you can begin to move forward at that point. So these people, his brothers, are afraid. And um, now here's some notes that I put. I said, the brothers already forgiven by Joseph. I think Joseph will still use their past decisions against them. Unfortunately, we often do the same thing with God, do we not? We know that our sins have been forgiven, yet we often feel like we are unworthy of forgiveness and that God will hold our past decisions and sins over our head and use them against us. But that's not how God operates. God's forgiveness, it's full, it's immediate. Unfortunately, we may hold things over the heads of our spouses or someone else, but we should not do this, right? It's like the, the parable where the man was forgiven, but yet he runs out to the street and tries to collect a debt immediately from someone who owes him. It's like, no, if God has forgiven you, then you can forgive others. Don't, don't hold things over other people's heads. And don't let something be held over your head. Go and ask forgiveness. And if they forgive you, great. But at least you've asked the forgiveness, and then you move forward. You ask God. And then you ask God to help you not repeat that thing that you've done in the past that requires you asking for forgiveness, that evil thing, that sin that you have done, being mean, whatever it was. Now, it's interesting because Catholics continually go and confess their sins for um, fear of dying with unconfessed sin, but that's not how God operates, right? They're continually having to go to this confessional and, um, and, and, and ask forgiveness for all this stuff over and over. But God, when he forgives, he forgives you as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't just forgive your past sins, but your present sins and your future sins. You don't have to ask forgiveness again. It's a good thing and proof of a repentant heart to feel convicted about it and to ask forgiveness, but know that even if you didn't ask forgiveness, Again, you're totally forgiven because God is not one who holds anything against you. And because he's omnipresent, you know, every place in the presence at all time, past, present, and future, he's omnipotent and all-knowing and um, uh, uh, omniscient and all-knowing and omnipotent and all-powerful, he can forgive all this. And so you don't need to, to live in the past and you don't need to live, oh, what if I die and I haven't confessed this one sin? No, if you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior and confessed your sins and ask him for forgiveness then you are forgiven. Verse 16, So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespasser of your brothers and their son, for they did evil to you. Now, please, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Joseph wept. He was so sad that they didn't understand true forgiveness. I think that's why he's grieving. He could tell that they were still grieved over their sins. Similarly, God does not want us to grieve our sins for more than a second. For a second, yes, when we, uh, when we sin again so that we're convicted and repent. But not to hold on to any old sin, wondering if we were actually and truly and fully and immediately forgiving, because the answer is yes. Jesus forgives fully 
and immediately. If that's something you need to hear right here, right now, then I hope that that will, will just be so powerful for you. You don't need to revel in that. If there's someone you need to ask forgiveness of, go and ask forgiveness of them. If, but no, if you have asked forgiveness of, of God, then you're forgiven by God. And you can move forward and make better choices, but you don't need to, need to live in that past sin. But there could still be consequences in your lifetime from that sin, right? Someone who killed someone, for example, may be repentant of their sin and ask God for forgiveness, but they may, may still be in prison for 10 years or 20 years or life, and that's a consequence of that sin, which is different. Tomorrow we're going to get to uh, one of the best verses in the Bible. Uh, we'll pick up with verse 19 and verse 20. is just amazing. So, Lord, help us to understand your true forgiveness, that it's full and immediate. If there's any, anyone that we need to ask forgiveness of, please help anyone listening to this to go and ask that forgiveness, to have the courage and the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do that and to f- be forgiven and to know that forgiveness of you, Lord, and not to live in that and thinking, am I forgiven? Am I forgiven? I'm not so sure. Yes, you forgive anyone and everyone because you're not sitting there picking off and saying, oh, this sin's too big. You have to you will ask forgiveness 10 times. It's going to take you 10 years to ask forgiveness. No, it's if they're genuine in their heart and ask forgiveness, if we're genuine in our hearts and ask forgiveness, Lord, you forgive. And we thank you for that forgiveness. Amen. This podcast brought to you in part by the Portfolio Protection Store, where smart investors go to protect their life savings from stock market losses. Visit our website to register for our webinar, theportfolioprotectionstore.com. The webinar is about portfolio protection and safe money ideas for ages 50 plus. Visit theportfolioprotectionstore.com. Located in Austin, Texas, license number 288-7886.